Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Hey, Boiling Pointers. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Before we start, Dave and I want to let you know all about our Boiling Point process, online courses, live events, and masterminds. After interviewing hundreds of leaders, we've packaged a ton of knowledge together to serve up to you. Info that will help you and your company be heard in a very noisy marketplace. So visit www.boilingpointprocess.com and sign up for the email newsletter and we'll let you know when our next cohort or event is. Thanks also for supporting The Boiling Point by subscribing to us on iTunes and also leaving a rating for us. Back in 2017, we had Ryan Honeyman on the podcast. Remember that? I do. <laughs> I was We've reminded. Back again. It's yes. awesome. It's but this awesome. time in video as well. Yes, that's right. So we're uh, we're in, I don't know, episode five or six of recording our uh, podcast with Zoom, Ryan. So we can uh, release some of these on, on YouTube as well. So w- awesome. welcome back, man. Thank you. It's great to be back. It's fun to be on pod- another podcast with podcasters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like I was saying, it's always it's such a pleasure. To and and where are podcast. you coming in from, Ryan? So I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area oh, okay. in California. Oh, cool. And uh, Ryan and I coast. met in the in the B Corp world, Dave, uh, a number of years ago. And uh, Ryan wrote the B Corp manual, the, the B Corp handbook, uh, a, f- a number of years ago, Ryan. And then yep. just recently re-released a new edition. So why don't we just jump right into that uh, as you reintroduce yourself to us? Great. So, um, yeah, I'm Ryan Honeyman. Partner at Lyft Economy. So Lyft is an impact consulting firm whose mission is to create, model, and share a locally self-reliant economy that works for the benefit of all life. And um, yeah, I guess the the way I got into B Corps was, you know, through talking to companies about sustainability and you know how that they can make a positive impact. And there's a lot of folks who have a lot of questions, as you know, Greg from. B Corp from the B Corp movement, people are always like, what does that mean? You know, how do I become one? And so the the B Corp handbook was my attempt to codify some of the thinking and sort of make it into one easily accessible thing that people could learn, you know, what B Corps are, why they matter, and how you can use business as a force for good. So that's a little bit of the backstory of the why. So you're like you're like a real veteran of the whole B Corp movement. Yes, I like to call myself a B Corp nerd, as Greg may <laughs> find some value. Proudly, proudly. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think Dave could attest to that because uh, I think we've we've brought a lot of B Corp content on this. Oh my gosh, podcast. totally! And I, I continue to uh, uh, pretend to pressure Dave because Dave is a, is definitely a B Corp, but he's not a certified one. So one of these days, we're going to get you there. Okay, agreed, <laughs> agreed. And, and and you know, without actually being an officially B Corp, uh, or at least my company isn't, I have been very inspired by the stories. Mm. It's been like incredible just to to meet the various owners of companies. And, and there's, I mean, massive alignment in terms of values. And it must have been daunting to write a handbook. 
Yes, it was um, it was both daunting, but also it was sort of like I needed it in order because in my business, a lot of what I do is help companies certify as B Corps. And so I also found it to be something I needed to say here. If you, know, if you have any, here's something to, to help you learn about it. And um, yeah, I think the real daunting thing, to be honest, was the second edition of the book, which is um, the I brought on um, Dr. Tiffany Jana, who's a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant, to help with the book because I really felt like the first edition, you know, it was 2014, at least in the U.S. Uh, you know, we had a different administration. Um, and I, I guess in Canada too. Right? Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, we we moved one way, you moved another way. <laughs> Let's just not make sure that, yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, we're, we're hoping we continue on the right path, Ryan. Anyway, I, <laughs> yes. I won't get any more political than that. <laughs> well, I was going to say, maybe there's a, the only way uh, way we can go from here is up in the U.S., but I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't hope, know. I hope you're telling the truth there, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the second edition was really, um, you know, meant to be a lot of the stuff that I had written about in 2014 to do an update 2019 it just seems like the world has changed a lot. Um, I have two kids now. I didn't have kids before, you know, there's been things like the, the me too movement, you know, obviously Trump getting elected Keystone XL like pipeline, the sort of Dakota access pipeline protests uh, for indigenous uh, native Americans. And so it felt like the book needed to address some of that. It was hard to just write something that was sort of like completely removed from where we are in in the world, and so Dr. Jana um, bringing them in was really about let's talk about all the things we talked about in the first edition with the B Corp. You know why it's important, how we can use business for good, and and uh, what companies can do. But for each question, apply a lens of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So it's sort of like you know for maybe a vo- a company that wants to improve their volunteering program rather than just sort of saying like, yeah, you should start one and see how it works. It's like, what are some of the pieces that folks should consider if you're thinking from a diversity, equity, inclusion lens? So it's like, you know, do folks have the same time off? Do they maybe need childcare in order to go to a community service thing? Do, do you sort of, are you make, being inclusive of like where you choose to uh, donate your time as a company? You know, could you be thinking about, you know, other resources in the area. So it's just, it's helpful for companies to think a little bit outside the box uh, rather than just being like, I want to be better environmentally, which is maybe how a lot of companies think about when they think about sustainability and, and B Corp work. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that you say that as, um, you know, when we became certified, it wasn't even that long ago. It was, I don't know, four years ago, maybe five years ago. And I really didn't know any of this stuff. I had a heart for using business as a force for good, but the whole conversation of uh, you know equity and inclusion, diversity, it just wasn't in my orbit. And so, just by being a B Corp, it's been amazing education, just as a human, as a consumer, and certainly as a business leader, to now be able to be at the forefront of that conversation in my community just by absorbing it and reading your book and just you know talking with everybody who is in our in our community. It's been really, really cool. And uh, you're, and you know what, in the next five years, when your next edition comes out, it's going to be a whole different 
you know, side of it. So many different realities, right? What was the biggest challenge on this one? I, you already explained the challenge, but in bringing this all in, it does seem daunting. It's like, whoa, where do I start? How do I make sure, or how did you make sure you had all the parts in and had all the right voices in, in uh, the second edition? Yeah, I think, you know, one of that was bringing in Dr. Jana to make sure it wasn't just a white guy writing about <laughs> diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, you know, but I think... I also realized that as a white male, that traditionally my way of thinking about DEI work was to sort of, you know, other folks need to be heard, their voice needs to be heard. So I need to step, step out of the way and sort of remove myself and let other voices speak. But a lot of the feedback I got from folks of color in the B Corp community and uh, Dr. Jana was, you know, we actually need white folks like you to really be speaking to other white people and like, you know, you can't just sort of say like, I need to give everyone space to be, you actually do need to be consciously talking about these things. Otherwise it just is up to it. The burden becomes onto people of color to like have all these conversations. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they have to teach us as white folks about DEI. And, and so I think that's been really powerful for me. Like what is my role as a white guy? And I think it's been just talking to people and learning about the U S we have a very, you know, as you all know, checkered history, you know, but it's in Canada with like sort of indigenous folks as well. Um, so it's not like we, yeah. it's only the U.S. <laughs> no, no, it's so not I, only I, the U.S. Like the, you're, you're, we're, we're talking the same, the same challenges on, on both sides. One just a little yeah. bit louder and more amplified. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, I really so, yeah, love that you been... said that, uh, Ryan, sorry to interrupt, is the, uh, that delicate balance of not being the one always talking and giving opinion, it's it's very important to step back and make sure there's space for all voices to be heard should they want to contribute. Uh, but when we look at our spheres, all of our individual spheres of influence, I think we're doing a disservice by not taking it in our, you know, in our, in our circles, in our orbits, in respectful ways, you know? So I would be fearful of keeping my mouth shut on things that I am convicted in. So you really, yeah, I've never had that conversation yet. So thank you for that. That's really, that's important. Yeah. I mean, the, the last thing I'd say on this is I just finished this book that just came out last month. It's called How to Be an Anti-Racist by Dr. Ibram Kendi. He had this one state sentence in there that really stuck with me is like, the opposite of racist is not not racist. The opposite of racist is anti-racist. Because I think a lot of folks like me are like, well, I'm not racist, you know, so that's that's Trump and his you know supporters. But me, I'm I am a good person. But he's Dr. Kendi's really saying like, you know, it's not enough to just be not racist. You actually have to actively be anti-racist. And so that's a change of mindset for me. That's been pretty interesting. How, how is the, how's that conversation like this particular topic about the role in and I'm seeing in the in our notes here the role of white folks in advocating for racial justice. How has that been received? I think, honestly, if, you know, stuff has changed in the last, in the last five years in the U.S. with, you know, the Black Lives Matter and, um, you know, there's just more like videos of police shootings and the Me Too movement and then Trump. So I think like maybe this same conversation 10 years ago, people wouldn't be, they're like, come on, everything's fine. But now it's like so obviously not fine that people are like really receptive. It's like, yeah, maybe just being just sort of like voting for Obama and like, you know, going to work every day 
and being a good person is not really enough to dismantle, you know, 400 years of systemic oppression. <laughs> it's like we actually have to be more um, proactive and, you know, learn from folks of color. And so just like reading a few books, like there's this great book, White Fragility by Robin mm, D'Angelo. I, I just, just started it. Yeah, did you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's like why white people have such a hard time talking about race because we often get like, well, I'm not racist, and I, you know, there's all this like umbrage that comes up w when we talk when white folks talk about or get po even the like possibility that they might be seen as racist. We get all frustrated, but it's like we need to identify that. And I, I think if the conversation is like, hey, you're not, we're not necessarily blaming you for like all of racism, but you as a white person, we do benefit from the historical legacy of racism, mm. uh, even if we believe that, that it exists or not. And so we still have a responsibility to take action. And I think a lot of people resonate with that. Uh, you're so right. Like it's, I, I remember hearing those conversations too. Like yeah, when I was a little bit younger, people saying, well, it wasn't me. Um, yeah, I know the, my European ancestors or, or not were uh, part of this. So in mostly in the uh, context here in Canada with the indigenous uh, oppression that happened in our country and in the U.S. as well. And um, I was like, yeah, but there's a benefit. Like you said, there's we have benefited so much. So what is our role as privileged people <laughs> to, as business leaders as well, who have also benefited from a system that is oppressive, what is our role? Uh, and are we on the right track in having these conversations in B Corp? And how do we continue pushing this out? as business leaders, how do we have this conversation? Yeah. Um, one of the things, I don't know if I, I wrote it in my notes, Greg, but uh, so at the last B Corp retreat, I actually got together with about 10 other folks, mostly people of color, because we'd been talking about um, this idea of like, you know, what can we do as business leaders? Because there is sort of an added potential to just our personal lives. And so we actually had a, uh, a session last year. I don't know if you you heard about this, but it's it was called "Let's Talk About White Supremacy." Yep. And a, and a lot of folks get really, a lot of people like me and others get uncomfortable, like white supremacy. Oh my God, that's like Nazis or the KKK. But um, the way that I've learned is actually it's white supremacy is more of just a system where whiteness, you know, it's kind of came to us from the British, uh, you know, the system of colonialism. But it's just like white folks at the top and that system and talking about it within the B Corp community has been really fascinating because a lot of the, our economic work, you know, basically like how can we talk about the economy, you know, which is based on, at least in the U S a lot of our wealth is still holdover from cotton and enslavement of Africa, of African descendants and uh, you know, low wage workers. And so it's like, we need in the B Corp community, when we're talking about business as a force for good, we've been finding some need to talk about like, what is the legacy of how we even got to this economy? And the, in addition to how do we change it? So I think that there's been a lot of question, a lot of discussion around like shareholder primacy, which is really important in the B Corp community. And that idea that the shareholder wins above everyone, but also like, what are the legacies of of wealth holding and patterns of, of discrimination and other things that have come with all of the way the, the economic system is set up that we need to think about if we're really going to make a, a huge change in the economy. That's so fun to put ourselves into these uncomfortable uh, situations. Like, you know, my friend, uh, Julie Fanestock um, from B Storytelling, another B Corp. We were in New York 
no, we were in Boston actually. It was two years ago. We're walking down the street, and she was very agitated and very upset. And she's a uh, a very tall white woman with uh, platinum blonde hair, and she was upset because she was telling me that she's a racist. And I was like, and I was like, you're not a racist. And she's like, no, I am. And she was so upset about it. And then she explained that she was at an event the night before, probably having a similar conversation like you with with um, other people of color, and. We're just talking about unconscious biases that we have been born into, right? And, you know, she's, whether being harsh on herself or not, uh, translated that to, yes, we are making racist decisions unknowingly with the unconscious biases that we have been gifted and intertwined with in our DNA growing up. So I, I was uncomfortable with her calling herself a racist. And then I started thinking about it. I was like... Well, why am I uncomfortable with that idea? Because we got to claim it if we're going to get it, if we're going to, you know, work on it, you know. And uh, anyway, I'd like to hear your thought on that statement. Yeah, I, I've, I've, um, you know, one of the the things that I learned about when I can't remember which book I've, I've read a lot of books on this, but it it was sort of like white folks. We like to think that we have um, a neutral, sort of colorblind worldview. Like, I want to see you as more than just a black person or an indigenous person. I, w- I want to see you as a human, but it's sort of our privilege as a white person in the majority <laughs> to be able to say that. So, because the world doesn't view that person as just a human. It's like, if they're in a police, if they're driving by and a police looks at them, they're like, that's a black person driving. And so I, I think that you know, having some awareness of like, that our worldview is not neutral as white folks. It's like, we are, we do have a race a racist. I mean, uh, like I even hesitate to, to call like a racist because it like has so many negative connotations. But I think like what Julie was maybe pointing to is like, we live and are influenced by a racist culture. And therefore we have beliefs that are racist. I think it's important to, to, to sort of separate that out from like, I'm a bad person. I therefore, yeah. it's, uh, it's more of like, this is the culture we live in. You can still be a good person who's trying to be an anti-racist, but to be able to even talk about racism and race, like it takes, I think, separating out like, well, I'm not because I have a black friend or I marched in the 60s or I voted for Obama, you know, like those things are are like good sort of sort of a standalone things. But you can also be a good person and have a racist, you know, sort of racist beliefs because we all do. We're, we're in a culture that's sort of steeped in this. It's actually hard to jump in because there's a lot going on in this conversation. But what one of the things that comes to my mind is you describe it as attempting, um, the B Corp movement attempting to address income inequality and the uh, racial wealth gap. For people that aren't familiar with B Corp, how is that being attempted? Or how are these, how are these movements being um, addressed? Yeah, so... I think that it sort of goes goes back to um, so like one story is so I recently moved from just south of San Francisco to up above San Francisco to north of San Francisco to a place called Marin County, which is is basically heavily white uh, area, heavily white, heavily affluent. And I was sort of like a little bit ashamed, like I'm trying to do all this like anti-racist stuff, and here I am moving to the one of the whitest counties. But um, I was talking to some folks, and I was like what are we going to do about, about um, the, the sort of like racism in Marin County? And people are like, that's not racism. It's, it's income inequality. And I was like, well, you can't really separate 
income inequality from racism because it's like, how did that, how did the income inequality get to be so? Um, and I think a lot of folks like, like me don't really like to look at it that way um, because it's, it's more comfortable to say like, well, my family worked hard and, you know, we, you know, worked at an honest job nine to five. And so I, I think that like connecting those two statements has been the, the sort of idea of racism and income inequality has been really important. And so in the B Corp community, we're really looking at, you know, how do we not just say like there's shareholder primacy and we need to get corporations to use business as a force for good, but also what are the the sort of beliefs that we may have as a sort of white dominant community, which the B Corp is, you know, it's largely white sort of upper middle class folks. What are some of the racist worldviews or worldviews that are, are, again, not like personally bad, but we're just steeped in that we're perhaps bringing to the table that if we don't acknowledge and examine uh, and dismantle, hopefully, that w- our work as the B Corp community will not be as effective as it could be unless we really take into account these things. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's like I say, it's only been four or five years since I've been in this community and I've seen the conversation go from just one of many conversations that are happening to becoming primary in this community. Thanks to great work uh, from from you, Ryan, and uh, many other leaders in the community. And then as a result, you know, I've been gifted that language and I've been able to have it in my world. And I think this is the brilliance of the format of podcasting, blogging, writing a book, uh, you know, making films. This is what it is. And this is what being part of a movement is all about. Right. So whether you're a B Corp or not, it doesn't matter at all for our listeners. It's like taking these concepts that are discussed and valued in the B Corp world. That is the important part. Right. And uh, this is why it's super exciting. And Dave, just to shift gears a little bit, why don't you tell Ryan a little bit about the inspiration that you've had speaking to so many B Corps in this podcast about what you ended up building uh, that you that you brought me into? Yeah, for sure. Um, that's the million dollar pledge is called. And, and it was really kind of born from listening to, um, a bunch of B Corp owners and learning more about the movement and really examining, you know, what am I doing? And, and what is my company vision coaching doing for good? And, you know, it was an uncomfortable truth that I couldn't really answer. I was thinking, well, we're sprinkling donations around and, um, and I started learning more about effective altruism and, and fascinated by that. And my, my cousin had done a dissertation on altruism in children and, you know, this idea of being pro-social and, you know, what is altruism. And so all this, these thoughts were merged. And I thought, you know, what, what, if, what if I can be a small part of a bigger give to causes that are going to help our, our region and and address some of the things you're talking about. Um, one thing in, in my mind I'm really concerned about is literacy. The fact that we're, we're in a region that has really low literacy rates, uh, as is one, one example, and, you know, and the, the, the overlapping of poverty and, and all the things that, that, that are connected to that. And we live, you know, in terms of a pretty racially homogeneous place, mm-hmm. like it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty white. White, white um, and low income. And very, is, yeah. some of the worst poverty in the country. 
so anyways, uh, we just came up with this concept. Um, we have this wonder, United Way uh, in this region has a wonderful way of vetting agencies and showing impact. And um, we started this idea called the Million Dollar Pledge. And it's the idea that you get 10 companies to give 10000 for 10 years, um, really focused on small business. And um, we're like a social impact investment club. And we meet every six wow. months and we get insight into what we're you know what we're trying to support, and and we 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 have a criteria of how we want to give, um, and it's grown beyond ten companies, and it's gonna we're, it's really been starting to explode. It's so it's very really exciting. Cool. One of the things that I'm curious about is, and I think the B Corp movement. I think what I, I like how it's connected this idea of triple bottom line profit not being a bad thing, but I also like I was sitting down with an accountant the other day and saying. You know, how can we attract people to doing the right things and showing them that it's, it's, it's actually not a cost, it's, it's an investment. And actually, not the reason isn't you don't invest to build your company, but th- that can be a byproduct is people want to invest in companies that truly want to do good. And anyway, so, so I'm getting a little bit off the million dollar pledge, but the idea is I think a lot of people do want to do the right thing, and sometimes it's hard to know how to do that. And that's, you know, and, and having these kind of conversations kind of really enlightening. We're also so freaking busy that we it's hard to stop <laughs> to have the conversation because you're so busy trying to trying to make, you know, like like there's like I'm, I'm driving a car that burns too much fossil fuel. It drives me crazy. Like, but you know, that's I want to. F- do better there. You want to do, you know, you're, you're, we're all trying to do these good things. So, so it's the more you can be part of the conversations and movements, I think the better. So anyways, that's, I, I kind of, I, I, I rambled. But you're representing a lot of people, including a lot of people in the B Corp community that is just trying to get better and better. And what do you Absolutely. see in that, Ryan? Like in Dave's story about, you know, actually driving positive change and, but also, my gosh, we're, we're busy. And I wouldn't how, even say how, I'm driving it. I'm just thinking I'm participating, participating in it. And I think, I think, you know, maybe the three of us would would have this in common, or at least my belief is, is when I sat back and thought, what what is my currency? Um, and probably the the currency I have locally that would be most effective is influence. And then stepping out and, and actually not just talking about it, but being um, part of it or, you know, um, leading it if I have to. And that's, you know, that I think that reverberates or it has to a certain degree. Absolutely. You're almost doing your own. It's almost like crowdfunding plus impact investing, you know, movement. So it's phenomenal. And, and I think that at least for me, the, um, the these networks, you know, whether it's B Corp or other social impact networks are really powerful because it can amplify what any of us could do individually. And there's um, this amazing byproduct which is it actually helps drive your business. And that's, it kind of seems like an uncomfortable thing to talk about, like some of the other topics, because you're not doing it for that, but you need a profitable company to be able to give and provide and and have impact. Well, I think, Ryan, you can speak to that because that's exactly what the B Corp movement's all about, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's not about, uh, you know, nonprofits or, you know, you really need donations to keep them going or pure corporate, you know, just trying to make as much money. This is really about profitable business, but benefiting all stakeholders, which it sounds like you, you already do in a lot of ways, Dave, with, with your work as well. So 
when are we going to get you certified, Dave? That's the real question. <laughs> <laughs> well, soon. I mean, yes. actually. Okay. And, and, and it's, it's, it's a byproduct of being very busy, but we've been talking about it I for know. a long time and we I should know. just do it. I'll, I'll help you. Ryan will help you. Okay. <laughs> and I've got, a, I've got Ryan's book. In fact, I'll buy you your copy. You're going to be selling some at the, at the retreat next week. I'll have some. Yes. Okay. Indeed. Well, I will get, let's get a signed copy for Dave. Uh, very important. And I will buy it from you when I see you. And uh, Awesome. Thank you. That would be awesome. So, Ryan, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you in all your different verticals and specifically how to get the book? Because that's a new release. Yes. So the book, you can go to our website is lifteconomy, L-I-F-T economy.com slash book. That's the for the B Corp handbook. The work uh, I was speaking about, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion within the B Corp community, that's called the Dismantle Collective. So that's uh, dismantlecollective.org. There's a website there. And then folks can follow me I'm on Twitter at Honeyman Consult. That's awesome, man. Ryan, it's always a pleasure, my friend. And uh, this podcast will be broadcasted well after you and I see each other next week in Los Angeles. So uh, uh, we'll let you know when this when this drops. And uh, I'm totally looking forward to exploring uh, this conversation further next week as a as a global a global community. Yeah, thank Absolutely. you, thanks, thanks, Ryan. For I won't be in Los Angeles, but I appreciate you know, what you're thinking about and what you're articulating and it's helpful. It gets, it gets, it certainly gets me thinking. So I'm sure it's doing that for other people. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Greg. Ryan, have a great one, my friend. Enjoy it. Okay. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. And now it's time for the Boiling Point Takeaways. One thing, Dave, as a, as a takeaway after speaking with Ryan is we have been brought up in a homogeneous culture uh here in you, you atlantic canada not you right. uh because you uh, were up north and so you had a different uh, level of uh, multiculturalism in the north and uh but here growing up in saint john it's been very so having these conversations of uh racial injustice and uh income inequality and anti-racism uh has never been right in front of my eyes growing up but it's taken me getting into business and then jumping into these communities and having these conversations to get me really excited about participating in mm. the positive change that we as an economy have to have mm-hmm. to make. You know? mm-hmm. There's all these uncomfortable truths that might exist and and I never really had a chance to talk about it, but I, I, on some level, it would be might nice to have more diversity in this conversation, you know, in terms of if we're going to talk about racial injustice, like three white guys talking about it. I always, there is a level of awkwardness for me around that. But, uh, but you know, my takeaway would be Ryan's passion for, you know, maybe having uncomfortable conversations and knowing that there's a community out there who wants to do the right things and addressing, you know, what came before us and re- recognizing that that does impact how we make decisions and how we see the world. And, you know, and there's no um, simple answer to all this. Um, but I, I appreciate the conversation. And it's a conversation that people aren't having. And it's nice to have it. Yeah, I, I want to make it more comfortable on some level. Well, I, I love the uncomfort. Like, it's great. Like I'm uncomfortable with it too, of course, but it's a, uh, it, that means it's an important discussion. And one thing I was going to ask Ryan, and I guess this is part of my takeaway too, is uh, especially lately in this particular community, in this conversation, I hear what you just said a lot. Like 
oh, we're just three white guys. But maybe we need to shift that uh, to saying, yes, three white guys need to be wrestling with this and discussing it and taking it apart. Because if we're too afraid to talk about it because, oh, we're three white guys or four white guys or five white guys talking about it, if we don't have the conversation, is that better? So I think it's really important. And yes, to bring, we need to continue to bring the diversity into that conversation. But in this moment where it's you and I, I think it's brilliant to get uncomfortable with it. And then invite people in. How are, I'm talking to the audience right now listening to us. How, how are all of you dealing with this discussion? We'd like to hear from you on that because uh, it's a critical conversation we have to have, even if you're in a homogeneous uh, community. <laughs> Yeah. You know what it means? Yeah, actually, to be honest, if I was to clarify that more succinctly, I would say it's the appearance of us having this conversation in a fishbowl uh, would be less than us having the conversation. I'm, I'm good. I like having the conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in the conversation. Yeah. I, I want my kids to be, and I'm concerned that my kids aren't in, there's enough diversity in the schools they're attending. I, I think that's so important. And that's and I'm, that's not just racial diversity, that's income diverse, you know, like kids yeah. coming from all different socioeconomic status. If you grow up and everyone has an Xbox and everyone has two cars, and how can you possibly relate? Like I know, you know, when we come up town sometimes and my daughter who's got this really um, wonderful way of looking at the world, but she's just so surprised to see a panhandler. Like yeah. what... What's that person what doing? That? What's yeah. going on? Um, you know, and, and so it's a great opportunity to talk about that. But and then I realized, oh my God, she doesn't see this hardly ever unless we, you know, come in from the valley. <laughs> and and is, that, is that, like, that's not good for her. She needs to see more of this because that's the rally for a lot of people of not necessarily panhandling, but, but um, not having, you know, kind of some of, this, some of the things that we take for granted. So anyways, I, I just find, um, I just think there's so much value. And, and that's why I love travel. And, um, you know, particularly when I was younger, you get to be exposed to so many, you know, like going to see, you know, Vietnam and how people live or mm. Tibet or, you know, totally. um, places in Europe or places in your own community that you wouldn't necessarily see. It's just so, such good exposure and gives you perspective. And I guess just the closing point for me is, it's uncomfortable having these conversations as people. It's even more comfortable as businesses. But I think if if you can lead your business internally and then externally on these conversations, big, powerful changes can happen. You know, and we're starting to see it. It's it's incredible seeing how the business community is, is tackling these issues. So, uh, great food for thought, and probably the longest takeaways that we've had uh, <laughs> ever, Dave. So, well, congratulations, hey, Ryan. Okay. Final, I'll, maybe I'll have the final say if I could. I would say kudos to you and Ryan for being ambassadors of the movement and um, creating the conversation. So well done. And you, and you, I know there's a big investment of time, energy, money in um, supporting this and trying to get to s- some solutions. Yeah, awesome, Dave. And thanks for what you're doing with Million Dollar Pledge and invite me into that. That's uh, been awesome. We'll see you next week, my friend. All right, buddy. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. 
And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and remember, keep that pot boiling. I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. We're now podcasters. And why did we call it that? Well, you know us as decorators, but we've got lots more to share. We want to talk about travel and relationships. We're going to have amazing guests on. Guests who inspire us for sure. We'll probably talk about design too. And of course, Tommy, don't forget about food. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about food? So please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or as they say, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll pop right up when we have a new episode. Where's this luck?